Good evening, everyone. You are listening to The Leaves of a Victim Nevermore with Stephen Wilson. This podcast is for people that identify as victims of abuse or addiction. My name is Stephen Wilson, and I am a drug addict in recovery, and I am a survivor of childhood sex abuse. I am actively in Narcotics Anonymous, and I am in group therapy. And the format that I've taken on, if you, if you decide to listen, is going to be, I'm going to start out with the, a reading of something from Walt Whitman or Edgar Allan Poe or maybe Emma Goldman or Longfellow, something. I will do what I can to associate it with the actual podcast itself. But if you are listening, this is basically in the form of a therapy. I'm going to be reading from Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman, What Am I After All? What am I, after all, but a child, pleased with the sound of my own name, repeating it over and over? I stand apart to hear it. It never tires me. To you, your name also. Did you think there was nothing but two or three pronunciations in the sound of your name? That was Walt Whitman from Leaves of Grass, the poem what am I after all? Tonight's podcast is going to be in the format that I started originally in a therapeutic technique called Letter To. And this is something that you would do if you were going to talk to someone that has hurt you or you have hurt them or they have affected your life. And it is because of the drugs, the addiction, mental health and in my progression I have decided to take on a very difficult subject and I'm not really sure how this one's going to go but this letter is to my sister Marie she died in January 3rd 2007 in Springfield, Illinois. She was driving down to our father's funeral. Dear Marie, I want you to know that first of all, I have visited the accident site. I went through all the paperwork. I dealt with the Illinois Highway Patrol And over the years, I have reconnected with Debbie, the one that survived the crash. Now, I've also gone and visited your headstone. I picked it out, paid all the bills. I'm the one that came up with the inscription. Mom was the one who picked out the clothes you would wear 
she broke down in the store. She was mostly in shock. It was very difficult to go to the funeral home to identify your body because uh, you had broken your neck. And it was very difficult to see. And of course, dealing with dad's death was one thing, but there was no way to know what, that this was going to happen. Most people never believed me, except those that were close. I wanted to begin by saying that when you went away to Elgin High School, you had talked about suicide. I knew that you disappeared. Obviously, living under the same roof, it was obvious you were gone, but nobody told me exactly why. And when you came back, you were a little bit zombie, and everybody treated you with kid glove. But something had changed. Our dynamic had changed. I had no idea what you were going through, but I also had no idea that it is in our genetic codifier, it is in our hereditary depression, mental illness. This was important because there were some people in the state of Illinois and others that thought perhaps that you that you turn the car over on your own. The guy from the Illinois State Trooper region that reenacted the accident said that you were going way too fast for the off-ramp. Debbie confirmed it. But she was also the one of the first people to come to your defense. And I never believed for one minute that you would have taken your own life. I understand that it was too much for you to look upon dad and, and to take care of him. That's why, you, that's why you asked me to do it, because you couldn't do it. Being his caregiver was very hard. But I want you to know that we actually became friends. But this is about trying to make an amends with you. I really wish that we had a chance to talk about what happened, about going into Elgin. But this letter has to deal with the way that my own behavior affected our relationship as we were adults. One of the things that I have to admit is that that one year when I was living in New England and working out there, I had told you that your birthday present had got lost in the system, but that's not true. I had forgotten about your birthday.
And I know that that almost never happened, but it did. And the second thing I wanted to talk about was at that time that you and I had decided that we were going to get together hadn't seen each other in a couple of years. But I decided that uh, at the last minute to call it off, I told you that I had work issues, that I had to take care of a few more customers. But the truth is, is that I, I took a, a woman and we took a quick trip to Las Vegas and we partied. I also want you to know that I went to the off-ramp where your car flipped. They totaled your car. They destroyed it. All that was left was the license plates that you had. And for the longest time, I was trying to somehow reconcile because there seems to be a, a common theme through these letters, and the fact is I keep coming to the same conclusion that I should have been better at something. I should have been better at being a brother, I should have been better at being a son, and well, and the fact is we just grew apart because there was something between us. And it was my drug addiction. And it was something that I could not talk to you about and I didn't tell anybody. I spent a great deal of time at Washon Cemetery in St. James, especially the first couple of months. Nobody was really sure if mom was gonna make it she stayed in bed mostly. When she did get up, it was about smoking cigarettes or drinking her diet Pepsi caffeine free. And then there were the bouts of crying that lasted for hours on end. Then I would have to carry her back to bed and she would go to sleep. She was in therapy for a while as well. For myself, I just went into the drugs. I just had to numb it. But I spent a great deal of time at the cemetery talking to your headstone, thinking that that was going to help. But the thing is, is that it didn't help. It didn't help me at all talking to you, talking to a headstone is completely empty. I can't even imagine what it looked like from the outside. Not that anybody would watch. But I said a lot of things. I told you a lot of things that needed to be said but they should have been said when you were alive. And as usual, I'm still stuck with the idea that I should have been a better brother. 
the learning curve is a little bit too sharp. And it took such a long time for me to figure out what was really important. And I miss you now more than ever because myself, today was a really hard day. I had to call upon my sponsor. And we spent about an hour on the phone and I, I wasn't really sure if I was going to relapse or not. But in the end, he was able to put out the fire. Not that I was going to be able to do it myself. I don't seem to be able to do anything on my own anymore. I'm not used to being an only child. I don't want to be an only child. But the conversations always seem to get weird and strange. People become uncomfortable when they ask me if I have any siblings. At first I said no. Because every time I tried to tell people the story, they didn't know what to say. They always said something like, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. My condolences to your family. You know what that really means, Marie? That means that they're glad that it happened to me and not to them. Or at least that's the way it felt. Because the story just is so horrifying, it just never makes sense. It never works. I wanted you to know that after some time, we were able to put together a memorial back in Crystal Lake. One of your chief executive officers from your company. I mean, although you were a safety engineer, the, uh, this woman I apparently knew you. And she came all the way from Chicago and came to the memorial. And these people that I had never known started telling me stories about what you did as their supervisor, their boss. And one of them stuck out and I wanted to, I wanted to include in, in this letter because this is where the separation took place. They told me that there was a young woman um, she was on the bus line and she had been traveling on there for a couple of days and she was she was pregnant one of the drivers found out that her parents had kicked her out because she had gotten pregnant and was not married and she wanted to have the baby but she didn't have any supplies she wasn't ready to be a mom she wasn't ready to be a parent. I was told that you, uh, you found out around 9.30 in the morning. Somehow, some way, you, you puppeteered a full-bore baby shower with balloons and banners, 
cake punch. <laughs> and then you manage to buy everything a young mother would need. The world really misses you, Marie. You see, you're the angel, and I'm the demon. That's how I knew. It was too late. But that Marie, I didn't get a chance to know because I never showed up. I was so selfish. I put myself in front of all things, my own appetites, my own desires. But that was the proof. And that wasn't the only one. That wasn't the only time you did something like that, but that's the one that I remember the most because that's all the proof that I need. I didn't set out to be a piece of shit. That's not what I wanted to do with this life. It's not natural. It's more of an inclination. And now that I'm struggling every day, I miss you more than ever. I don't want to be an only child. And I want to talk to my older sister. And I want to hear you speak words of comfort. I want you to tell me that it's going to be okay. I want you to tell me that I'm not a demon. The depression and sadness, it hits me like a wave. Getting through the holidays this year and being clean, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it, and I didn't do it alone. I needed a lot of help. But I want you to know that what you did to all those people, helping all those people, even today, those people still talk about you. They remember you and everything you did for other people without condition. You never judged anyone. I am sorry because I think I failed you. I go back sometimes and think about I could have easily gone up and got you and drove you back. I could have got you a plane ticket out of O'Hare or Midway. You could have taken the train, something. The last thing I wanted to tell you is that Debbie survived and she did suffer some severe injuries and it took her a long time to heal. 
her back is still not 100%. And I also wanted you to know that she lost Bob to cancer. And that really hurt. The times that we talk are few and far between now because it just gets more and more difficult. I love you, Marie. I'm not really sure if I believe in an afterlife. I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again, but I hope that you are sitting next to Dad in a bench next to a park where there's a slight breeze, the clouds move, but the sun is always on your face. Sincerely, Stephen, your brother. There's not much extra I can add, but I want to say that if ever you think about when you should tell somebody, if you love them, how you feel, if you just want to just reconnect, the answer is always going to be right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because the, there may not be a tomorrow. Don't wait. I'm going to sign off. Be a blessing. May you find serenity. <laughs>